Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Drew Evans. And I'm Ben Garmo. And today on the podcast, we are so lucky to be joined by Bennett Dembski of Tufts Mock Trial and Ria Lakaraju of Emory Mock Trial. I think that most of you may know them as the two of the 16 competitors at Trial by Combat uh, this upcoming uh just a couple of weeks now, actually, which is super, super exciting. Um, but we are really, really glad to have them. I'm going to really quickly go through each of their uh, accomplishments because they are pretty lengthy, so I'm not going to go too in-depth. But um, I'll start with Rhea. Rhea has won, uh, I think, the most awards of anyone this past year with a total of 10 through this competitive season, including five in the AMTA season. She won two All-Americans as an attorney and as a witness, she got an attorney award at Orcs, and she also double awarded at Regionals. So uh, she's, I guess, decent at this activity. Um, but Rhea also on the side is the mock-on CEO. And fun fact about this group of three, Rhea pulled myself and Bennett together to run a summer camp this last year, um, which I talked about a little bit on the podcast. But so this is kind of a nice little get-together of the mock-on August session. Um, and most relevantly, Rhea also coached at Trial by Combat last year for Elias Nybart. Uh, moving on to Bennett, Bennett has also won a tremendous number of awards this year, including an All-American at Nationals as well as an award at Regionals. He also awarded at Regionals and Orcs last year, and we can only assume how we would have done had there been a Nationals last year as well. Um, Bennett is the past and current president of Tufts Mock Trial, he also ran the mock-on tournament, the Tournament of Champions, this past uh, couple months ago. And he was the second chair last year at Trial by Combat for Stephen Becker. So we are so glad to have both of you on here. Rhea Bennett, welcome. Thanks so much for having us. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks. Excited to be here. All right. Well, I think that this will shock many people that this is where we're going to start out. Uh, we're going to begin with your origin stories. Uh, let's just go ahead and start with Rhea. Um, take us through how you got started in mock trial, and you know we'll we'll obviously follow up a little bit, but get us at least to Emory. Yeah, of course. Um, it's been a long and winding road so far, but not a very exciting one, to be honest. Um, I did mock trial all four years in high school back in um, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and then I just really fell in love with it. And so I knew from the second I went to Emory that I wanted to try out for the team. Uh, so I did. I had an atrocious tryout, but somehow I made it. Um, and then since then, you know, I've still been competing with Emory and I've just loved all of it. Fairly standard origin story, but, um, you know, I really love this activity, so I'm happy to still be doing it. Bennett, over to you. So uh, I thought it was interesting listening to the last episode um, to Sydney and to Thomas talking about how they competed together at, at Franklin High School in Maryland, because I have very vivid memories of watching them compete against my team in Maryland. Um, I did mock trial for three years in high school at the Park School of Baltimore. Uh, they just won the national championship uh, for high school. Shout out to my sister uh, who was on the team. Um, but I was pretty bad in high school. Like I... I in the high school equivalent of stackings, I was never like a lawyer because um, I wasn't very good at it. And when I got to college, I wasn't really sure if I was going to do mock trial, um, but I ended up just sort of trying out on a whim. And, and just a funny story about um, my trying out was that at the club fair, I have a memory of talking to Will Wilson, um, who was a tough competitor this past year, who was already on the team at the time. And I said to him something along the lines of like how I had 
gone to the same high school as Daniel Stern because I knew that he had done quite well in AMTA, although I, I don't think I knew the extent of how good that 2016 Yale team was because um, I was trying to make the team. And I guess some like game of telephone got played and what I had said got so mangled that by the time I got to the tryout room at 8.30 on a Friday night wearing my suit ready to give my speech, um, the first thing that they asked me was, is it true that you were trained to do mock trial by Daniel Stern from Yale? <laughs> and um, I-, I wanted to make the team. So I said, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Um, and by the time that they figured out it was, in fact, not true, and I was not very good at that point, uh, it was too late to kick me off. Um, and I've been doing mock trial at Tufts ever since. One of the best decisions I've made. That's, like, definitely my goal in life is for one of the kids that I've coached in high school to, like, say to a team, like, yeah, I was coached by Drew Evans. And that team just blindly accept them, not knowing that they're actually terrible or something. I mean, not that you are terrible, Bennett, but – and also I think all my kids are great, so – Point. Good, good save there, Joe. Right, exactly. You know, I'm trying. Okay, awesome. So again, so happy to have both of you on. Um, like I said, I you know had the privilege of working with both of you last year at the mock on summer camp, and I want to take a second to to talk a little bit about that. Um, Ria, you you obviously started this uh, I guess last last summer, um, and I know you talked to me a lot about why you're doing it, but I'd love for you to share with our guests. You know, what made you want to start this mock trial company? Yeah, of course. Um, I always love to tell people when they ask me questions about mock on that it kind of started out by accident. I think that, you know, when it did start, it was in like March of 2020 last year, back when the world was burning in flames. Um, and naturally everyone in Amta, we had our seasons canceled and obviously it was very devastating. Uh, and so I think that in that void, that maybe three or four month period where we just wanted to be doing mock trial and we didn't have any way to do it. I kind of just thought, what if we did? Um, And then I know that the high school mock trial community has been very important to me. You know, like I said earlier, I competed all four years and I had to watch like my sister's school, other schools just get all their seasons canceled. I know like my sister's stage competition got canceled like the same weekend as orcs got canceled for us. And so just seeing all of them, experience the sort of same devastation as us and knowing that we could probably do something about it was kind of the inspiration to start mock on. Um, and also in a broader sense, just, I wanted to find some way to connect the ANTA community with the high school mock trial community, because I think that there's a lot that we can learn from each other, but also just, we are also, you know, lucky to be doing this really niche activity and find community where we can, um, even just, you know, you drew and Bennett, like, I'm so happy that, you know, mock trial has found a way to like, you know, bring me so many, bring me so much closer to so many people in the community. And so I definitely wanted to find some way to create that in this time of COVID where we didn't really have that, because I think that aside from missing the activity of mock trial, people probably really missed. I know I certainly did the idea of community that comes along with it. So, you know, the idea of mock-on kind of came from the inspiration, just create something bigger out of this really terrible situation. Um, and so began the summer camp and the master classes and the tournament and many other things along the way. Um, none of it would have been possible without, you know, so many people in the Anto community who are willing to help out. Uh, but that's it in a nutshell. So I, I want to have a quick follow-up on it, Ria. What is like your end game per se with, mock on and it's not that you initially have to have an answer to this now but i'm just kind of curious i mean is this something that you see yourself pursuing 
when you graduate? Is this kind of a hobby to you? Like, what is what is mock-on? Uh, honestly, Drew, I will let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not sure I have a great answer. I think that for me, um, I sort of see it like the same way that I see AMTA as something that started out as initially, like, I'll be honest, I, I didn't think it would extend to become, you know, this long-term thing. I didn't think that we would host you know, all these master classes with so many successful AMTA competitors, I didn't think that we'd host a, I certainly didn't think we'd host like, you know, such a big tournament. Um, but I think that looking forward, as long as people want an outlet to experience these tournaments and experience, you know, the feedback from other experienced competitors, um, and just to be able to, you know, have some sort of outlet where they can see all those things, then I'm willing to keep it going as long as as long as the community wants it. Well, as I said earlier, uh, Bennett actually, you know, kind of joined in with Mockon to help, to help run your recent tournament. So, uh, Bennett, I'd love to ask you a little bit about what that experience was like. You know, obviously, you've I'm, I'm assuming you've done something with Mumbo in the past, so it's not that this is your first time ever being involved with the tournament, but you know, what was, what was the experience like? And, you know, Leah, feel free to, to chime in, but what was it like kind of hosting a high school tournament um, as someone that obviously uh, was there? I'm curious for your guys' side of it. So at the outset, I'll say that I think that tournament director is a little bit of a misnomer. Like, Rhea ran the tournament. Um, I, was, I was along for the ride. Like, I was there to help. Um, but Rhea ran the tournament. Um, it was a great time. I mean, Rhea called me, I think, in December, January of this past year, was like, we want to do an invite. I know you helped with the summer camp. Would you be interested in helping? Because you helped with Mumbo. And full disclosure, I, I'm like not the Tufts tournament director. I wasn't the assistant tournament director. I helped when I was like a freshman and I kind of knew how to do it. But I, I hadn't run a tournament before. Um, and I just kind of thought we were going to do like, you know, six to eight high school teams. We'd do a round robin. We'd get some amped people to judge. It would be easy. Um, I did not think that it was going to turn into this giant like 30 team thing where we had state champions and previous national champions and state runners up from this year. Um, but it ended up becoming that. And that was mostly due to Rhea's super hard work. And it was fun to run the tournament on the day of. Um, it was a great time. There were a lot of great teams. The final round is up on YouTube. People should go watch it because it's really, really top quality mock trial. And some of those competitors who are in high school in that final round are going to be names in AMTA in the next four years. I really appreciate it. So I wasn't able to to judge at the actual tournament, but a couple of weeks before that, Drew had me in to judge a scrimmage that one of his teams was doing. And I had not gotten a chance to really look at the case uh, before jumping into that. And the opening statements started and they're like, oh, like this guy is dead. And they flash on screen a photo of Nat Warner. And I just broke, <laughs> like just in the round, just, just burst out laughing. Cause I was like the last thing in the world that I was expecting to see that morning and that scrimmage was just a giant photo of Nat Warner with someone telling me he was dead. He judged around like at the tournament. <laughs> he and, did. Like, and freaked then, out. <laughs> the school, I remember um, the school that had him as he had a, he was a presider too. It wasn't like he was just scoring. So his face uh, was on the Who screen. Who planned the that by the way? <laughs> I did. It was I, I wanted it for the meme. I'm yeah. not ashamed to admit it. And it worked out because exactly what I wanted to happened. Um, the school that had him presiding their round posted like this side by side picture on Instagram of like him as a presider and like <laughs> the dead person <laughs> and like the exhibit that they were screen sharing. And it was so funny. 
Um, but that maybe was like the highlight of the entire tournament for me. I really enjoyed seeing that. And thank you, Nat, for being our dead person for the weekend. We appreciate it. Friend of the pod and thankfully very alive, uh, Nat Warner. Glad to hear that. Um, so Bennett, I want to follow up with you and, and I want to talk briefly about Tufts. Um, I, I feel like Tufts mock trial represents, I mean, I mean, Tufts mock trial has been, been great for, for a long time and it's had a very successful history in AMTA, but I feel like Tufts mock trial kind of represents this like sort of new wave of teams. And I think Emory's in that category too, uh, of teams that are sort of climbing their way to the very top. And you all, of course, were extremely successful uh, last year. I think almost certainly would have made a Nationals run in 2020. And then, of course, come and finish second place at Nationals uh, this past year. And you've been one of the only teams in AMTA who's had a consistently uh, excellent A team and B team. So take us behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, you all are student run. Uh, you, you know, you travel a lot, you do a lot of things. So what's it been like, uh, working with Tufts mock trial and what do you feel like are some of the keys to y'all's success? It's been fabulous. Um, that's a great question. Um, what are the keys to our success? I wish I knew, um, we're, we're kind of making it up as we go along. Um, (laughs) I, so I like without going too in depth into like our program's past history and our program's drama, I think one of the things that we've struggled with that I know a lot of teams struggle with is balancing like a desire to win at any cost and like make decisions that hurt people's feelings um, that are like made to win um, with the desire to have a strong program culture where everybody gets along, where everybody feels valued, where everyone feels like part of the team. Um, And I think what we've done in the past two and a half years is sort of found like a sweet spot almost like where we can balance those two things effectively. And obviously we've got our problems and obviously we weren't the most successful team in AMTA this year. Like we came second in our division, but I think what we figured out how to do is have a program of 30 people who all mostly feel happy. And at the same time, have an A team and a B team and C teams that are doing really well and getting bids out of AMTA tournaments. Um, And I think that is a major testament to every single member of Tufts mock trial. I mean, we practice so much, like they all work so hard, um, just put it on the line every single weekend, every single weeknight practice. Um, and I, like, we would not be successful if every single one of our 29 members did not care about this activity so, so deeply. And I, I think, I think that is honestly like what makes our program good and what makes our program special, I'd say, is that every single one of our 29 people just cares a lot about mock trial. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And and I want to ask a question about Emory in a second, but just sort of a, a brief follow-up on that. You know, one of the things that always strikes me about Tufts, and, and there are some, and this is not a shot at other programs, but there are some elite programs that I don't always feel this way about. But I feel like when whenever we play Tufts, whether, you know, we split or UMBC wins or Tufts wins or whatever it is, um, I feel like I left the round and it felt clean. You know, like you all, I feel, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like you make a concerted effort to play this activity by the rules where you're going up there and you're being creative and you're being interesting, but you're not sort of trying to slip anything in an underhand way. Is there any sort of like, at least in the last couple of years, sort of a culture discussion about how you wanted to build, um, you know, maybe the reputation of Tufts mock trial as you all have been so successful? So there's never been like an official discussion. We don't have like any sort of official like thing about it, but I think we try to be really friendly, like just like around tournaments and two teams. 
And like, look, I know there's definitely tournaments this year where we've fallen short of that and we haven't always been um, the most friendly and like captains um, or in our interactions, but we try generally to be friendly. I think that came out of the A-team's experience at Chicago um, last year, really, where they did well and they made the final round. I think they made friends with all four teams that they played. Um, And I think going forward, we've just tried to embody that same mentality that that A-team had in Chicago in 2020, which is just be incredibly friendly to everybody you hit and try to make friends with them and you know, if, 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 if there are roadblocks that come up or like if something goes wrong, you have the benefit of the doubt given to you by the other team because you were nice to them in captains and you were friendly before the round and you shook their hands before you started. You know, I, I think, I think that stuff counts for something. Um, and yeah, I appreciate that. I, people seem to think we do a good job with that. I definitely do not think, I just want to jump in here. I, I do not think at all that Tufts does anything underhanded, but I found this funny. I think that Ben is speaking from the perspective of not facing Tufts in many invitationals because I know you guys love to try some crazy outlandish theories that I think are that super questionable. And I was just dying hearing that because uh, he clearly has never seen uh, the Remy Mouchard that I saw last year. And that's all That's all I'll say on that matter. We do it in invitationals because it's fun. We're never yeah. going to do it in the empty. Yeah, exactly. like, we, we exactly. don't want to get near the line, like, but, but at invitationals, we have fun with it. Yeah, and and to be clear, like, you know, crazy theories at Invitationals is a whole different ballgame. You know, like, that's like, you know, th- that's just, I think, sort of part of the sport. Um, But but yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment, Drew, but but I think that that's well taken to Bennett in terms of building that culture. Uh, so, Rhea, I want to kind of ask a similar question related to Emery. Um, you all have had a ton of success over the last couple of years. You've gotten two teams to nationals a couple of times recently. Uh, you all were, you know, were in the top 10 for a while and you just continue to excel at a high level. So, you know, having been there now, what do you think is it about Emory mock trial that has produced the level of success that you all have achieved, you know, obviously in your history, but especially over the last couple of years? That's a great question. Um, I kind of have a similar answer to Bennett. First, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, But honestly, like, I don't really know that there is an answer to that. It's the same sort of answer that any program would have, I think, where you never really know what makes you successful. You just keep trying your best every year and hope that the outcome is better every year. I will say that I think one thing that helped us out a lot this year, especially, and probably in past years too, when I'm reflecting back on those years is I think that Emery just knows how to play to its strengths and knows how to kind of fix our weaknesses more quickly year to year. Cause I think that there's some programs where the, not necessarily culture, but the style is more like you do things very, you do things the same way every single year. And that's not a bad thing. Consistency is definitely good. I think that for Emery though, we, tend to like change things up stylistically to a certain extent, culturally to a certain extent every single year, depending on who we have in the program. Like, I think that we don't necessarily keep things as consistent. And I think when I was younger, I used to see that as a problem. But now that I'm older and I've been with the program for much longer, I think it was what made us so successful this year, especially when we were all separated. Um, We kind of recognize what each of our individual members were good at. We kind of recognize that, the culture and the way that we played mock would have to change depending on who was in the program and what those people were good at, especially this year, we had a lot of turnover. So we kind of had to figure things out from scratch to a certain extent. Um, And so I think that recognizing that it's okay for things to change pretty radically year to year is what kind of made us 
let go of styles that maybe weren't necessarily working for us that did work in years past um, and things like that. And that helped us make sure that our teams in whatever given year that we had, were doing things the best that they could without being necessarily tied to like a consistent program identity that just didn't really fit with who, you know, personally was in the program. Um, and like Bennett said, I mean, I think that's just hard work. Like I can't applaud my teammates enough this past year for like truly just working so consistently and so, so, so hard. Um, and you have to nationals or to regionals before every single invite. Um, it's really, really ad- admirable. And I think that that accounts for a lot of our success as well. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I think that feels to me like something that contributes to depth, you know, that you all have had two teams at nationals. And, and just that ability to be adaptable and sort of accommodate what you have in your program at the time. I mean, that is something that I think, you know, it's better to build your approach around the people that you have um, as opposed to, you know, sort of the opposite and just trying to do the same thing every year. And I think that showed through this past year when I know you all uh, were uh, in the, like one of the highest rounds going into round four at nationals. You were definitely one of those teams that was uh, in the hunt, uh, you know, going into round four at nationals for a chance to get through to the final round. Um, and actually both Emory and Tufts were, you know, sort of in that situation. So my one question before we sort of move on and talk about the season and trial by combat, um, you know, Bennett, since you're here, I-, I would be sort of remiss in my duties as half of this podcast if I didn't bring up the Tufts UMBC round from round three at nationals. Um, and I don't really think I even have a question. I just sort of want to repeat what I've said on the show before, which is just that was one of the most, I'll use the word fun because I can call it fun now. Um, like the, one of the most fun rounds of mock trial I've ever sort of been a part of uh, in this activity. It just was really fantastic. And I just felt like was a great sort of spectacle and example of how this uh, sport worked this year. And I just kind of wanted to say that I thought your entire team did an incredible job because, you know, had the ballots gone all for you all, I I don't think I could have complained. I just think it was a great trial. Thank you. I I really appreciate that. I mean, I I agree with you. Um, It was, I mean, it was the best round I've been in all year. Um, It was, it was just a fabulous round to get to be in. I, I think that was one of the only trials all year where we like, were very much like we would gather like to watch the parts of the trial where we weren't going. Cause we all like just wanted to like experience it together. Cause it was such a good trial. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a nail biter. It, it's fun to watch afterwards. It's fun to watch the tape back, but it was not, it was not fun at the time. And we knew, I mean, we were blind going into round three. We didn't look at the turn in the middle of Saturday after round two. Um, but we knew we were like, okay, UMBC is good. We're paired against them. This is a, this is a make or break round. Like we've got to win in this round and like we can't afford to split. And of course we did split. Um, and you know, it was a, like, I, I think it was probably the fairest result that we could have possibly had was a two, two split. Um, but it was, a, it was a great round and like, I'll be lucky if I get to compete in another round like that next year. Well, I think that obviously nationals is kind of what's on everyone's mind, um, right now. And, and I think that we're about to get a trial by combat, which is, I think what you know, is the other thing that's kind of pressing on everyone. But I wanted to take a second, both of your programs had exceptional years in a very strange and unique year. And I wanted to take a second just if you could both kind of reflect on this year of online mock trial 
And I kind of want to just ask the question to, to both of you and I'll, you know, I'll, because Ben was just talking, I'll go to you first, Rhea. Um, but what do you think it is that your program did uh, differently or adapted to the online format that made you more successful? Or, you know, what, what do you think was it that, that, that made online mock trial work for you? Drew and Bennett, you're 100% going to make fun of me for saying this, but scrimmages. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's a running joke that Emery scrimmages a lot, but yes, we scrimmaged a lot this past year. The running joke, to be clear, is that Rhea asked me probably like every other day for about a month. And every time I was like, oh, I think I can do that. And then like the day before I was like, no, I can't. Yeah, it's been like, I've been trying to get Drew to judge a scrimmage for like three months and every single time he said no. And I'm going to keep asking for like a year and I, I know it's just never going to happen. It's because I, I really don't I, like but you. But I'll never give up. <laughs> it's because I really just do not like watching you do mock trial oh, or talking man, to I you. Knew it. I knew it. I knew that had to be it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that like, I have to say, like, I know that I don't just speak for us when I say this, but the ability to meet and scrimmage and hit other teams in the online season is and always will be just unparalleled. So like, yes, online comes with a lot of problems and a lot of issues. I'm not saying that I loved it, but I did love that part of it. We got to scrimmage. I think before nationals, we scrimmaged like multiple times a week, almost every single week before orcs, we scrimmage at least once a week. Like we just had oh so God. many in and okay. <laughs> You were gonna make fun of me for this. You knew that you knew that this was the case. Um, but it's just like this is what I was saying, sort of, where like my team specifically this past year, I think, was the kind of team, and this is sort of what I mean when I say like we play to our strengths, where we were, you know, generally good at getting stuff done during practice and when we, you know, scripted things out, they sounded fine, but then we go to trial and things just kind of went a little bit crazy. And so we thought, all right, like this is our big weakness doing anything in trial. So let's just do a bunch of trials and then we'll fix it. Um, it was exhausting, but yeah, we just scrimmaged a lot to kind of fix that big weakness within our team. And I, I know that we would not have been able to fix it as much as we did without, you know, the online format and being able to scrimmage as much as we were able to. So that's hands down, like the biggest advantage and positive that I took away from the online season. For the record, I wish we could have scrimmaged that much. Like, I'm always down to scrimmage. I just, like, our team would have burnt out if we scrimmaged twice a week. Like, that's so oh, much. Oh, we definitely burnt out. We definitely <laughs> burnt out. Let me let me rephrase. We were able to scrimmage a lot. It did kind of come at the cost of our sanity. But it paid off in the end in other ways. So don't get me wrong. Like, you'll have to sacrifice a little bit of your of your sanity in the process of scrimmaging that much. But we'll, we'll tell ourselves that it was worth it. You do a sport where you pretend to be lawyers and you spend hours and hours a week doing it. If you're not already insane, I don't know what you are. The only thing crazier would be starting a podcast about it. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's <laughs> like true insanity, right? Uh, okay, Bennett, over to you though. What what is what do you think your key was? I I think there were a couple things. Um, a lot of it was buy-in. Like, we knew early the season was going to be different. It was going to be virtual. It was going to be weird. There were going to be things we didn't like. Um, but I think pretty much from the get-go, we had from almost everyone on the program, like, a verbal commitment that they were going to be, like, all in um, for the year. And we were going to make it work no matter what. And, like, we tried stuff out at Trial by Combat. And we did early season scrimmages. And we experimented with setups and invitationals. I remember, like, 
we had people, I think, on a team like standing up to object at one of the tournaments. We're like, okay, that doesn't work. Um, we, we shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> um, we just like had buy-in from everyone. Another thing I think worked really well for us, um, we had an advantage that I know a lot of teams did not have, which is that we were able to be in person for some of the season. Um, 28 of the 29 people on the program in the fall were on campus, and then 29 of the 29 were on campus in the spring. Um, at least for part of it. And like, we were never able to obviously gather as a full team, but we were able to like in our teams have infrequent distanced, safe masked gatherings to practice. And like, that makes a difference. Like at least the way we write, like it is better to write in person. It's better to run stuff in person. It's better to edit in person. Um, and I think, I think it helped us to, to be together in the same place when practicing for some of it. Um, but I, th- I think really what, what made us, good this year and what made us able to to excel despite you know the really weird format it's just that everyone was willing to try new things and to do whatever needed to be done even though it was outside of their comfort zone let me let me ask this really quick and i don't know if either of you will have any thoughts on this because we didn't plan to discuss this but it was i kind of thought about it as both of you were talking about um so this notion of scrimmages this past year and scrimmages being something that we're able to do a lot of because of the virtual format. Obviously, we all hope we're going back to in-person this fall, next spring, everything like that. Do you all think there'll be an appetite, at least for a year or two, when you still have a sort of a critical mass of people who participated in the online year to still do some online scrimmages? Because I could see a world, obviously, like, you know, UMBC and Tufts or UMBC and Emory, we can't normally scrimmage each other because we're hundreds and hundreds of miles away. But I could see a world in which we're saying, all right, we we have the equipment. We know how to do this. Um, you know, let's do an online scrimmage just so that we can bounce our materials off of each other, even if it's not exactly the same as, you know, uh, an in-person scrimmage would be. So uh, but I but I haven't decided if I think there's really, you know, a ton of value to that. So do you all think there'll be a place for that for the next couple of years? So um, here's my answer to that question. Um, I don't know if this is the answer like that you were looking for the best answer, but I think that we will probably not do that for most of the season because we're fortunate enough to be in the Boston area where we've got BC and BU and Harvard and Yale is nearby and Wesleyan is nearby. Um, and we can, we can scrimmage like anyone we want, um, pretty easily in person. Um, and like, you know, we've got like Harvard law nearby too. So we have like unlimited judges, um, from like Amtamakers that are there. Um, I think for nationals though, it'll be a different story. Like I think for nationals, because you don't want to scrimmage someone in your division. Um, yes, I think, I think for nationals teams will still want to do online scrimmages because that's really about perfecting content on a really short time frame. You know, you're changing your theory, you're changing your content a lot. Um, but for the rest of the season, like for regionals and orcs, I cannot imagine wanting to do online scrimmages when we, we would have presumably if things are better in-person options nearby. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that I think that what I like about the fact that we had to have an online season is that for the programs in regions that aren't near other AMTA programs, they now have an option to scrimmage when otherwise they would just have to live with not having any scrimmages at all. So I think that it's nice for those programs where they don't have any in-person options, but I don't really see a world where you do have close in-person options nearby and then you choose an online scrimmage over the in-person option because also doing an online scrimmage comes with so much online prep on its own. Like it's not just running the content necessarily. It's like prepping the demos and prepping the exhibits and all of that stuff that you know you're never going to use aside from 
that online scrimmage, you know, of course, assuming that we were in person in the situation, but I do like the idea that for programs that would, that don't have any other alternative, at least now they have an option. So I could definitely see it happening in some spots across the country um, where, you know, they now have this alternative and not scrimmaging at all. I also think to, to the point about not wanting to do online scrimmages is like, if we're able to return to in-person mock trial next year, and I hope we will be, we've now got to train back to what it used to be where projection matters and volume matters and the way you move your hands matters and the way you move your feet matters. And like, we need all the practice we can get with that. Um, especially like the freshmen who had a year where they only did virtual mock trial. And so I'm, I'm inclined to think that like, if, if we can have an in-person option, we, we'd want to take it. You know, Bennett, it's, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's what I was actually thinking in my head is that I actually have now coached a couple of high school kids who they've only ever done mock trial where it's virtual. And I remember I was asking one of them because my, the high school that I uh, taught at and coached, um, we were like a hybrid. So we were actually in person, but we did all of our tournaments virtually, obviously. Um, but I, I asked her to give a, a brief like cross-examination or a closing um, for a group of new kids. And she was like very scared and skittish about it and was like, I don't know if I can do it. And I was like, what? Like, you're so good at this. You've been doing this all year. What do you mean? You're like scared to do it all of a sudden. And I realized that she had never done this while she had to look at other people's actual faces. <laughs> so it is really interesting. I think that the the point you just made, Bennett, is a good one about the need for people to remember what it's like to do this in person. And I think that to a certain extent, the same way there was a huge learning curve on people figuring out the online format, I think there's about to be a huge learning curve on how people recover back to the in-person format, assuming we go back in person. Um, but, you know, we've been talking a lot about prep, talking a lot about, you know, this past year. I want to talk about the upcoming big thing that we have, which is, of course, trial by combat. And oh, boy. <laughs> in the spirit of talking about prep, let's start right there. Um, Rhea, I'll go to you first. Actually, I've gone to Rhea first like every time. Bennett, I'm going to you first now. Bennett, Sounds good. What, what has your prep been like to get ready for trial by combat? And, you know, how are you feeling going into it? So, I mean, for obvious reasons, it's a hard tournament to prep for. Um, and Rhea and I have talked about this, I know, with each other. It's like, you know, you want to, like, polish a cross or, like, run your closing, and you can't. Like, there is no way to do that um, in the weeks leading up to the tournament. Um, so I am lucky enough to be coached by Stephen Becker, who I second chaired for last year at Trial by Combat. Um, and I'm being second chaired by Fatima Lawan, who is my incoming co-president at Tufts Mock Trial. Um, and we've just sort of like done a scrimmage. Um, we did a scrimmage because what we're trying to figure out is like, what, what does our workflow look like? You know, how, do, how are we writing content? How are we producing everything we need to produce and polishing on the 24 hour prep time? Um, and we're doing another scrimmage this weekend, um, actually against, um, Sydney. Um, so that will be really fun. And hopefully we're, we're going to make some adjustments to, to the way we prep. Um, so hopefully that'll go better. Um, but there's really not much to do. One thing I have been prepping it, that is, that has been fun, excuse me, has been witnessing. I'm not a good witness. I haven't done it in a really long time. So I've just been sort of reading affidavits and trying to put together witness portrayals and having people cross me. And that's been interesting. Um, I, 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 I hope it will go well. 
All right, Rhea, same to you. What, what's your prep been like? And I swear if you say scrimmages. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I got to say, Drew, it's a lot of scrimmages. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. All right. Well, tell us about um, it. Shocker. I know. Um, but it's been very similar to Bennett. I think that now in like, what is it, like the fourth iteration of TBC, everyone has kind of, kind of fallen into like a very similar method of prep. Um, it is frustrating. There's only so much you can really do beforehand because every case is different. And so much of how you present or how much, how much you compete is based on the case. And so there's really not a lot of actual like studying per se that you can do beforehand. Um, so we've just been trying to figure out, um, how do we work best, trying to figure out ways we can write content quickly, practicing like the 24 hour prep periods, um, of course, I have to give a huge shout out to my second chair, Sarah DeLacy. Um, she's going to be joining me in just two weeks. Wow. Um, <laughs> she's excellent with tech. Um, one of the best out there. Um, super excited to have her. And also my amazing coach, Elias Nybart. Um, he taught me pretty much everything I know. So um, couldn't be more excited to have him coach me. I coached him last year at Trial by Combat. So we kind of um, are familiar with the format. We remember going through the prep period together last year. And so we're definitely kind of a big part of our prep this year is like learning from, you know, what we did last year, tweaking things that we wish we had done differently, keeping things that we're glad that we did, um, how we did last year. And then just really like digesting as much of that experience we can as we move forward, um, to compete this year. That's a perfect segue to what I wanted to ask next. And I think it's so interesting and really cool that both of you, um, you know, who you coached slash second chaired last year for this tournament are now being coached by the competitors who you worked with last year, um, which makes a ton of sense because this competition, you really benefit from having gone through this process before. So Rhea, you just referenced it. So let me go right back to you first. Uh, what did you learn last year coaching this process um, having gone through the prep period with Elias when he was competing, what do you feel like you're going to take from that experience uh, now that you're going to be on the other side and you're going to be the one competing? That's a great question. So I think that the biggest thing I've taken from it so far, and this is actually not something I necessarily took from last year, but it was more like a mindset change I had after doing, you know, a scrimmage or two in a prep period or two this year. Um it's very different going through it the second time when you're the competitor instead. You really realize how different competitors can be. Because I remember going through last year and, um, you know, we did prep a certain way to fit Elias's strengths. He is very talented at writing. He's incredible at creating content. Um, and he spent more time working on, like, presentation and memorizing and stuff last year. Um, but my strengths as a competitor, and I didn't even realize this until very recently, are kind of the opposite of his. So in the beginning, we kind of like thought that we would kind of handle it the same way we did last year. And now we're handling it kind of a very different way because my strengths are very different than his and my weaknesses are <laughs> his strengths. So it kind of works out well that way. But I'm not, you know, um, as quick with things necessarily as he is with content and you know, I don't need as much time to memorize as he does. So like, we're very different as competitors. So I think we've kind of taken that and altered our prep period accordingly, which is something that took me kind of a long time to realize that that's something we even needed to do. 
Um, but definitely having gone through the process once before was very helpful so that we could realize that this is what we need to be doing differently. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, we'll get to this in a second, talking about sort of how to tailor some of this stuff around, um, you know, each of your individual strengths and weaknesses. But I, I think that's part of what you have to do when you've been through this before is say, okay, what worked, what didn't, what do we need to change? You know, what do we need to keep the same? Because, you know, there really are no do-overs uh, in this type of competition. You go in there, you got to do it. And and that's that. Um, so Bennett, uh, same question for you. You had a slightly different experience and that you were a second chair last year. So you were sort of in the round um, communicating with uh, Steven when he was competing. What do you feel like you learned from last year that's going to benefit you now that you're the competitor? One takeaway that we both had um, that Steve and I both had after last year is that you, it's impossible to perfect content in the 24 hour prep time, which seems obvious, um, but is really hard to internalize when you're writing. Steve and I are both people and Fatima too and Arvind last year. Like we're all people who like to go over drafts and drafts and drafts and get it exactly right and find the perfect transition. You cannot do that. Like you've got to write it. You've got to go through it one time and make edits and clean it up for objections. And then it's done and you've got to memorize it and you don't have time to make it the exact perfect way. Um, and that's really hard. Like I still had trouble with that when we scrimmaged, even though I knew it going in, like I spent a really long time on my defense opening, trying to make it like really fun and like jazz it up. And it, it was a waste of time. Like I spent an hour and a half on a piece of content that should not have taken that long. Um, and that's going to be a key thing. I think for us going forward, is just like remembering that like we cannot make everything perfect. Like we have to just write it. And be okay with it not being how we would want it to look at nationals or at orcs or at regionals. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets to say that that Sydney is similar in that she's someone who, you know, during the regular season really wants to go through and and sort of like nitpick every single element and make sure the presentation is is um you know that way. And Thomas Kylie, her second chair, is the same way, and so am I. And you you just have to throw that out the window um, and just kind of dive in and be willing to embrace the format. So that brings me to my next question for both of you, and, and Bennett, I'll stay with you. Um, so I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this, and, and here's my best shot at it. I feel like um, part of this process, having now that this will be my third time going through it as a coach, part of this process is about knowing yourself well. So myself, you know, as a coach, Sydney, as an advocate, obviously for you all with your teams. So as you know yourself and you know the things that you do to prep and like maybe like how much sleep you need and the things that you really need to avoid doing, you know, how are you thinking about the keys to success uh, for yourself as the advocate who has to go through the most grueling part of this uh, really intense competition? I think sleep's an important one. Um, I know that there have been competitors who have gone through this competition with two hours of sleep um, and there have been competitors who have gotten eight hours of sleep. Um, I like, I thought of myself as someone who could do it without very much sleep. I could stay up late memorizing and running stuff. We did our first scrimmage. I was really low energy in the morning. I like definitely lost the scrimmage round cause I was just tired. And then I like got energy for the afternoon and did much better. Um, and I think sleep's going to be important for me going in, which is not something I, I necessarily thought, um, right at the outset. I think that's a big one. I'm trying to think of other things that like, I know I need to be successful. Um, I think I need to not, like, overscript myself. I think one of my strengths is just, like, making stuff up in the round. Um, and so I think it's important to, like, not 
script everything out perfectly. I think it's important to read the case. Um, I normally like skim stuff. Um, and then I go back and read it over and over and over again over the course of the season. So by the empty season, I like know the affidavits well. I don't have that luxury. Like I've got to read it a couple times and know it really well to impeach witnesses. Um, so that's going to be a change, I think, in my my normal method of reading the case. Um, I'm very like excited for it. It's going to be really interesting. I'm, it's like scary and it's hard. I, I remember that last year with Steve that like we were talking after. Uh, the first scrimmage we did, we we're like, this is easily the hardest thing we've ever done in mock trial. Like, and it's not even close. Yeah. It, it's, it, it uses different muscles, you know, like I, I yeah. was talking about that with Sydney and Thomas recently. It's like, you get really good at these skills. And then this tournament is like, what if you didn't use any of those skills and it kind of looked the same, but it really isn't the same. And, and it just really forces you to almost learn things you've never had to do before. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. It really is a totally different set of mock trial muscles. So, Rhea, pretty much the same question for you. Um, obviously, you discussed this a little bit just a moment ago about knowing that your strengths and weaknesses are different from Elias's. So how are you thinking about what you need as a competitor going in to, you know, what Bennett and I were just discussing is this really unique and challenging competition? That's a really good question, especially, I think, being in the position of having gone through the prep period last year going through it again as a competitor is so different just because I remember last year, like, um, like I definitely felt a lot of pressure because I wanted Elias to do well, obviously. But at the end of the day, like the next day I wasn't the one who was giving all the speeches and I wasn't the one who had to like <laughs> be awake and like presenting with like full energy and stuff like that. I remember actually Bennett and I scrimmaged earlier this year. And I remember like very vividly going through our first prep period and like <laughs> Bennett and I were literally texting that night saying how exhausted we were. And there was a moment at like 2.30 a.m. when we were both like working on our speeches and we were debating like, all right, like, do we sleep or do we finish these speeches? And then we were like on the phone, I think, for like an hour and a half from like 2.30 a.m. to like 4 a.m. or something like that. Not even speaking, just like trying to keep each other awake so we could like finish <laughs> writing our content. And that's the kind of like grueling, like mental energy I wasn't expecting to ex to really expend during that 24-hour prep period because that's not the experience that I remember having last time but you know like I said as a competitor it's very different so I think that <laughs> preparing yourself physically I say this as if it's like exercise or something but it honestly is like preparing yourself physically that you are going to experience just like terrible things in that 24-hour prep period um, is something that I, I, I think I have to come to terms with. Um, but on top of that, I think that just I'm a very strong believer that in mock trial, the key to success is not necessarily knowing how, what good mock trial looks like or even being good at it necessarily. I think it's just faking it better than everyone else. So <laughs> I think that that's even more true for TBC. It's not really about how good your content is or what a good speaker you are. I think confidence is like 80% of the checks. And I think that, you know, everyone makes mistakes, but when you only have 24 hours to prep things, you will make mistakes. I think it's just about who honestly like hides them better or who fakes it better, who seems like they know the most, even if they might not know anything. <laughs> and so that's something that I've kind of just been like telling myself, like it's not at the end of the day, really about what you're able to produce at the end of that 24 hour prep period. It's just about how well you're able to 
make people think you know the case, even if you don't know it at all. So that's kind of been a comfort to me, I guess, going into it, knowing that at the end of the day, like if you seem confident in what you're doing, then that's all that really matters. And that'll carry you a long way throughout the competition. Well, you both kind of alluded to what makes this such a unique competition. And that's, of course, having 24 hours to prep this thing. So I know that we're a couple of weeks out, but I'm, I'm optimistic that you both might have some idea as to what your 24-hour plan is for that day of prep. Um, you know, who's going to be writing what? What is the focus of your second chair going to be? What is your coach doing? What are you doing? Um, and it sounds like both of you have done enough scrimmages that you have some sense of that. And I like how you both have expressed this as almost like you're training for a marathon of some sort. But, you know, if it is a marathon, um, and I think most will agree this is a marathon, not a sprint, um, what what is the the aspect of this that you are going to be doing? What are your coaches doing? What are your second chairs doing? Take us through that 24 hours. So we're going to start by reading the case. Um, we'll probably spend, I just thinking back to our scrimmages last year and this year, we probably spend an hour reading the case initially, maybe an hour to 90 minutes. Um, we try to do theory discussion as quick as possible. Um, I think in the regular season, like we try to come up with creative stuff. We just like go for something real simple. Um, try to come up with theory and theme in the next 30, 45 minutes. So hopefully like two and a half to three hours after we start reading, we've got a structured case for both sides and then we go right. Um, and so I think the way we're going to do it, although this is subject to change depending on how the scrimmage goes, is that Steve and Fatima are each going to take one direct and I'm going to ping pong back and forth while they write the directs between them. And then like Fatima and I are going to take the openings together while Steve takes the crosses. And then like, we'll just like wrap up the closings together. Um, and I think that's how we're going to do it. And hopefully we can get all the content written by, I don't know, nine o'clock at night. And I can spend like an hour or two prepping witnesses, an hour or two memorizing, um, and then get to sleep at a semi-reasonable hour. Like the goal is to be in bed, I think by like two 30 in the morning, um, which I don't think is so bad. Um, but that's what the 24 hour period looks like. It depends on the case. Like, I don't know in some of these scrimmages, like some of the cases have just been harder to prep. So hopefully it's, it's not a case that really throws us for a loop in terms of thinking of a good theory quickly. And Bennett, before we go to Rhea, any, any, fun witnesses we should be on the lookout for? Have you been working on any accents we can maybe cross our fingers for or just going to play it straight? So I have been working on some accents. I think if I do any of the accents at trial by combat, I'll get punched in the face by my coach or second chair. I'm a like not a, a great accent person or, or dramatic witness. Um, I had to do some in high school and it like didn't go great. Um, but we'll see, you know, maybe I'll just like go rogue and do an accent uh, without without telling my my prep team. So that'll be fun. Um, but I, I think you should probably just expect professional, normal witnesses from me and nothing too crazy. All right. Fair enough. Well, Rhea, over to you. What is your 24-hour plan? Yeah, sure. So honestly, my plan is like 90% stress, adrenaline, and coffee. But aside from <laughs> that... Um, I think that after going through a couple prep periods now, uh, we've realized that my coach Elias is by far the best content writer out of all three of us. So uh, I'm very sorry to him, but he's going to be doing most of the writing TBC weekend. Um, and then I think that one of my 
weaknesses as a competitor is just like internalizing things quickly. It usually takes me like more reads of a case to understand details and remember names and, you know, just normal things like that. So I'm definitely going to try to do more actual case reading just over and over again to like really internalize the actual facts, um, especially since I don't have to worry about the writing thanks to my coach. Um, and my second chair, Sarah, is like I said, she's excellent with um, tech and stuff like that, way better than I ever was. So she's going to be handling, you know, all of our demos and all of our exhibits and things like that. Um and I think that that is kind of like the prep period, even though like each of us are kind of just doing discrete things, it definitely helps on the end of not having to necessarily worry about like making mistakes in trial because you know that each component is being prepared by like the person who is best at that thing. I think so that's definitely like kind of takes the weight off of me at least going into like the second day um, and having to like muster up energy to actually compete after the 24-hour prep. Well, by the way, Ria, what, what is your uh, expected bedtime out of curiosity? So what my bedtime should be is like, I'd say like 10 p.m. What it actually wow. will be will probably look very different. After the coffee and the stress, we'll see if there actually is a bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I'll probably just lie in bed trying to fall asleep and then nothing will happen. (laughs) I am like, I always get very, very stressed and anxious before competitions. And I'm sure before TVC, it will be very, very terrible. So (laughs) um, fingers crossed for me, but um, hopefully things go well. Fair enough. Well, I think that we always like to wrap up our trial by combat discussions by asking a, a question that I love to ask, which is, is there anyone that you are looking forward to facing, not looking forward to facing, hoping that you get to work with, hoping you don't have to work against? Like, what? what is, is there any, you know, there are 15 other competitors that are from across the country from, you know, a bunch of different programs, most of them very, very well known. We have basically three of the members of the field, you know, three teams of the field um, in this podcast room. But uh, anyone... Anyone that you're particularly excited about um, getting to see or go against or go with? Um, and Rhea, since we're on you, well, I'll stick with you right now. Yeah, sure. I mean, this field is absolutely excellent. There's so many people that I'm definitely very excited about. Um, I think someone who I'm sure this is who no one wants to hit, but obviously Sydney is a phenomenal competitor. So I, I'm definitely um, <laughs> wary of having any rounds with her, but any round that I would get to have with her, I'm sure it would be a fantastic round. She's absolutely excellent. Um, I would love to work with someone who I haven't gotten to hit very much this year. So that's actually a lot of this field. Um, but I know definitely, I think Sahil Narupur is fantastic. So I would love to get to direct him as a witness or be directed by him or just somehow get to compete with him and not against him. Um, And then someone else who I think I'm always scared of competing against is Bennett, because I just know that if I have to cross him, I won't be able to like, he'll make me laugh or I'm going to say it's not going to go well. Um, It'll be maximum chaos in that round. So (laughs) Bennett, I really hope that we don't have to hit each other. I was going to say, what I want is to be a witness that gets crossed by Rhea, because I would just like, I don't care about the credibility check. Like, I'm just going to try to mess up Rhea. Um, Great sabotage. 
Um, I yeah, I I don't want to play Rhea for sure. Um, she's obviously very good. Um, you took you took the easy one with Sydney Rhea. Um, th- th- I'm looking at the field right now on my computer, and ev- I mean everyone is just so fantastic. Like I I I think that any round would be scary. Um, I think that Elizabeth Grant and Audrey Shepard from Stanford and UCLA respectively are going to be very tough outs. Um, I think Clay Owens from Ohio State. Um, is someone I do not want to face. Um, although I'm sure it would be a, a great round and a fun time. Um, but yeah, it, it, none of, none of these people are are going to be fun people to hit in the sense that like they'd be easy rounds. Um, I think they'd all be fun because they'd be fantastic, fantastic examples of what mock trials should look like. Yeah, and and you were saying earlier, both of you were saying just about the quality of the field. Um, and and that's true every year but what i think is so fun about this field and what i'm really excited is you know you know sydney was the only junior last year so you know this field is brand new sydney's the only person coming back and there's so much talent and a ton of people who are not graduating in this field there's not that many seniors in this field this year and so i think it's really wide open i think that you know there are some people on this list who uh you know we've seen but maybe you know people around the country haven't seen as much and i'm just really excited to see where it's gonna go i I think that any you know truly any one of these 16 people could win the tournament and i don't know i just obviously you know i've been through this a couple of times but i think it's in some ways a lot more than top gun the law school equivalent like i really think this is pretty much the top 16 competitors in the country and and that's where this fun comes in is you know that every you know every top program and all of these incredible people are all going to be put to that same sort of test that we've been discussing um and i i don't know i just like may i don't want to channel my inner justin bernstein here and sort of like uh laugh at chaos but uh i just think i think it's gonna be a lot of fun well, look, I will just say that I am so excited to get to watch some of these trial by combat rounds. I'm honestly looking at it with a very different perspective this year than any other year because um, in just a short time after it, I'm going to be coaching the Gladiator tournament, which is going to have a very similar case. So I'll definitely be coming to all three of you with your take on it, um, and I'm excited about it. But, I mean, I hope we get to see a round that's Rhea versus Bennett or Bennett versus Sydney or Sydney versus Rhea. I just think any combination of the three of you would be fun. And I mean, like you guys have all said, I just think this is a stunning, exciting field that I just can't wait to see how it goes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, And I, you know, thank you both for coming on the show. I know that, uh, you know, TBC prep can be pretty intense. Uh, You know, Sydney, uh, scrimmage Rhea recently and and as Bennett mentioned you know we're doing a scrimmage in a couple of days and uh, I don't know I just think it's it's this is a really fun time of year uh, now that trial by combat has come around um, and I just think that this sort of fills that period of time where there's not usually a whole lot happening in the community I mean I was thinking about this Drew as, as we wrap up um, you know this is what I think this is our fourth trial by combat preview episode mm-hmm. And that was pretty much, was our very first episode, the TBC preview with Bernstein? Well, we did the whole, like, fake episode that was, like, episode zero. But then episode one was Trial by Combat with Justin. Wow. that's So this is the fourth one. Yeah. And it's, you know, that that's that's kind of crazy. So We're seniors. Uh, the podcast right, is a senior. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're, 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 we're getting up there. Well, Drew, that's all the questions I have. So if you want to yeah, uh, no. wrap us up. 
Uh, look, Bennett, Ria, thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, obviously, I've I've know both of you pretty well um, from getting to work with you at that camp, and and it's a lot of fun. Then it's great to hear both of your voices, and I look forward to seeing all of you competing at Trial by Combat shortly. So thanks again, and until next time, this has been the Mock Review with Ben and Drew.